is written with a reminder that, hey, the secrets that these criminals have, whether it's infidelity or illegitimacy, are the same secrets that law-abiding citizens have. So we can look at these terrible cases and say, oh my gosh, take a look at this trajectory that they're on. How do I jump off that train before I land there? Secrets, secrets can be murder. Right after this with Jane Velez Mitchell. Welcome to Rolanda On Demand. I love my podcast because we not only tackle the tough issues of the day, but we deal with hot topics, celebrity interviews, and information that can help you in your business or relationships. This is Rolanda On Demand. Hello there, and welcome to the Rolanda Show. I'm Rolanda Watts, and as always, I'm happy that you're letting me be a part of your day, a day that we've got something worth talking about. My good friend, Jane Velez Mitchell, boy, have we got some stories to talk about. We're going to share some behind-the-scenes stories of our reporting days back in New York City, beating the pavement as cub reporters. Jane has gone on to do so much. I'm so proud of her. She has covered so many murder trials and has asked the question, what does that say about our society? What were some of the things that led to these murders? And she's taking a really good journalistic look behind the anatomy of a murder, you might say. So we're going to have a good time with her. She's Plus, we're going to give you some inside scoops of some fun we had chasing murders all throughout the big city of New York. Hmm. Whole lot we could say, and we will today. We will. But this I have to bring up because I want your opinion on this story. It is something that is causing a wave of controversy and a lot of squinted eyes all across America as people are still trying to figure out how we as a society are going to deal with the horrendous fact that we have child molesters in our communities. Right now, considering a bill where it would require convicted sex offenders to display a special license plate on their car. Now, they're still trying to figure out exactly what the license plate will look like, but Ohio legislators say they have an idea. They want it to be fluorescent green. Wisconsin says they want their license plate to be chartreuse green. And basically, it will say sex offender on the license plate. How do you feel about that? One Wisconsin Republican representative says this, quote, For too long, child sex predators have been watching our children. It's time we have an opportunity to watch them back. How do you feel about these bright green license plates? on the back of a car of a convicted sex offender. Marguerite is on the phone from Mobile, Alabama. Hi, Marguerite, and welcome to the Rolanda Show. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine, and and glad to have you. Oh, so glad to have you, too. I'm so glad you're listening. I am a new listener. I got to get this in. I'm a new listener. I've been listening about two months, and it is so refreshing. Oh, good! To have a different perspective. You know, down my way, we get a lot of the talk shows, and they're always politically slanted. And it's arguing back and forth, and then we get you guys. So, ooh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you, thank you, thank you. We couldn't do it without you, but we are trying to do something new for talk. As, as we say on the road show, something worth talking about, you know? Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about this? Let's say you're there in Mobile, Alabama, and let's say that, that you your area passes a law like this, and somebody comes by in a car with a chartreuse license plate. How do you react to that? Do you think we're going too far? you think 
think this is yeah. a good thing. No, I don't think we're going too far. I work with an agency that works primarily with early childhood age children. Uh-huh. I don't I don't think we're going too far with that. I think because research actually shows that the therapy and the and the counseling sessions have not necessarily been that effective. Mm. So I, I think if we've got to target them, we just have to target them. I'm actually in favor of doing something like that, surgically implanted thing that they put in where we can keep up with them because oftentimes they move from one place to the other and they never report the new address. And listen, you want to hear something even scarier? According to this report, there are about 100,000 sexual offenders who have just, quote, vanished from the system, end quote. Exactly, exactly. And and I think that's kind of what people are saying. We want to know who they are and where they are. And where they are. We had, my state was one of the states that was impacted with Hurricane Katrina. Yes. and, And Louisiana, which is right next door to us, well, almost next door to us. But anyway, they lost tons of them. Mm-hmm. After the after the hurricane, they had no idea where they were. That's right. Once they had released them from prison, they exactly. they went wherever they went. Exactly. Now, if we had an option of putting some sort of med, uh, surgically implanted thing in them, or like the that tag, chip you put in your dog, so you don't like lose your dog. Chip, exactly, like the chip you put in your dog. Now, I'd rather do that because I'm I'm thinking, you know, that's something that's probably a little more permanent than a tag. Yeah. But you know what? There are people who are saying like, but what about, you know, the guy who drives by, or the woman who drives by with one of those chartreuse green tags on, aren't people going to chase them down and beat them up in the parking lot? I mean, there are people who are afraid that we're going to see vigilantism. Well, I can understand that, too. I can see that kind of thing happening also. Yeah. But I think we got to just get a little bit better at keeping up with them, identifying them, tagging them in some way, and keeping up with them. We can't afford to sacrifice our children. That's right. And that just seems to be such a, such a, I mean, there's a war on children, it seems, everywhere we turn around. I appreciate your comments so much. And please keep listening. Get everybody in Mobile listening in. I will, okay? Thank you so much. I mean, what idea would you think? I mean, if it's not the chartreuse license plate, which is on the table, a possible bill, possibly a law at some point um, in Wisconsin, Ohio, and Alabama, where where our our caller just called from, what else could we do? I mean, I I love the idea of um, trying to keep track of who's in our community and, and what that might mean for our children. But the question always is, how far do we go? Well, one legislature, later said in one of these states that is considering this proposal says, well, I don't even have the slightest iota of sympathy for any, any, any sex offender. Even though these laws would pertain to what they call the most serious assaults involving children. But I mean, how far does it go? I mean, you think about, I mean, not saying it's right, but let's say you have a 16-year-old girl and she falls in love with an 18-year-old boy and they have sex and daddy finds out and gets on him for statutory rape and that's going to follow him for the rest of his life. Should he have a chartreuse license plate? Now, that in the law that they're considering, they're saying the most serious cases. That's very different than a 40-year-old who's after a three-year-old. I mean, we've seen and heard about those horrendous cases. And, you know, and they're also pointing out that 
you know, it, you know, it, it starts at one thing, but it could balloon to something else, and then we get it out of control, and then people's rights are being stampeded. But then there are others who say, look, you know, Rolanda, <laughs> I really don't want to sit here and have sympathy for sex offenders with you, okay? I mean, let's send them someplace. But we're going to be having this type of conversation in all of our communities at some point because where do you end? I mean, th- at this point, they, they, they're having problems finding places to, to live, places to work. Now they're going to have problems driving a car. So how far do we go in uh, trying to encourage our communities to do something to protect our children? There are those who are against this whole thing, and I want to know how you feel. A bill that's saying that serious sex offenders ought to have chartreuse license plates, something on their car that distinguishes a difference. Now, we do point out that in most cases of sexual abuse, the victim knows the offender. I mean, as one person pointed out who was like kind of looking at this with a squinted eye said, you know, this is like assuming that people are jumping out of bushes when really a lot of the offenders know the children. They are in their lives. But how do we protect ourselves? How do we do it? Some believe that this is just a false sense of security. It's not going to do anything. And what happens if somebody in the family needs to borrow the car and they're going to get the brunt of that nasty finger that's going to come up as the car goes by, the pointed fingers, the frowns, and like I said, could be followed by a pickup truck. I mean, let's face it, we do have a sense of vigilantism a little bit in this nation. And when it comes to people who hurt our children and hurt our families, well, how far does that go? We had a a caller earlier today when we brought up this topic, and she said, hey, look, if they go after the guys and want to beat them up, or the girls who are sex offenders, they want to beat them up, well, then the police officers will get them in trouble. Everybody in our community has to be accountable in some way. But what else can we do? What else can we possibly do? But we're bringing them up because it could come to your area. And what would you vote? I'm not sure if I was sitting at the stoplight and a car pulled up with one of those chartreuse green license plates. I would feel really creepy. I would. And, And you know something? And let me tell you this. This is assuming that they will drive a car. I mean, hey... Listen, if I know I got to wear a chartreuse green sex offender license plate, hey, guess what? I'm going to hitch a ride, take a cab, or maybe drive a bicycle. Think about it. Some say this is just a knee-jerk reaction. But I tell you what, we do understand sex offenders. What we do know is they're very entrepreneurial. They will find ways around rules. They will find ways around your laws. Oh, come on. They'll be the Boy Scout leader. They're the camp counselor. They're the church leader. They know what they're doing. And what this one legislator is saying is, doggone it, they've been preying on our kids, watching our kids, what they're doing all along. It's time we start watching them. One step ahead of the game.
Just a little fodder, something to think about. I'm going to see what Jane Velez Mitchell, my buddy, thinks about this when she comes in here. She and I go back to the early 80s when we were young cub reporters trying to take over New York City. Can you imagine? <laughs> and we had covered all kinds of stories. She was with CBS. I was with ABC. So we were competing in the field. And we have followed each other to be grown women. And I call her Rocket Socks. So we're going to see what Rocket Socks is doing. She's got a great book, really an exciting book. If you like murder mysteries and you have been following some of the big murder stories that have happened, she's she's got a book that is chock full of them. Secrets can be murder, she says. And the question that she asks is, what does this really say about us? We know what it says about the murder. We know about the family. It's been blown all over the news. Lord knows we've followed it. But what do these murders, as sensational as they are, what do they say about us as a society? Can't wait to hear what she has to say about that. Secrets can be murder, Jane Velez Mitchell says, and she says a whole lot more. She'll be here in just a minute. So stick with us. We've got a lot more coming up today on Rolanda. It's Rolanda. Two other things that Dr. Small suggests is we live longer, eat all of your favorite foods, and have a healthy sex life. Good sex makes for a longer life. Good sex, he said. The studies have found that not only does it make us feel closer to our partner, but it actually boosts the immune system. In some situations, lower blood pressure, lower the risk for heart attack. So it has physical as well as emotional benefits. Yes, and it makes you smile. There's more Rolanda next. Talk, listen, connect. Hey, before we get to Jane Velez Mitchell coming up talking about secrets can be murder and what all of this attraction to crime stories really says about our society. I hope that you will follow me on social media. In Insta and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, you can find me at Rolanda Watts. That's R-O-L-O. N-D-A-W-A-T-T-S at Rolanda Watts. And don't forget to go over there and check out my YouTube channel too. You'll find some really juicy stuff over there. New stuff, old stuff, just, just the whole Rolanda village over there. Go and enjoy yourself. It means the world to me that you're listening to my podcast. And what would mean even more is if you would subscribe and tell a friend. C-Suite Radio. Welcome back to Rolanda On Demand. You've probably seen her on CNN. You've probably seen her on MSNBC, Celebrity Justice, Fox News, Court TV. I could go on and on and on. Now she has a book out. It's called Secrets Can Be Murder. Jane Velez Mitchell, my buddy from New York City. You got that right. Emmy Award winning <laughs> friend of mine. You know something, Jane? Last time we saw each other, we weren't wearing reading glasses. Oh, my gosh. We have, <laughs> But you know what? We're alive. We're alive. We're still here and still working. Oh. Oh my God. God. Jane and I go back. I think we were in our 20s. And we were both on the street in New York in covering New York. stories. Trying to be. She worked for CBS. I was with ABC. And their big story would happen. The vans would pull up and we would be like, on. And we were both triple type A's running around <laughs> covering these news conferences. And I'll never forget the time you said to me, you stepped on my mic cord and I couldn't get my mic in there. And I said, I would never do that. Now, you know and then you said, I'll demonstrate exactly what you did. <laughs> and I think I did that at the next news conference. Because the way I remember the story, 
story is Jane, Jane, I remember when the we be all out there, what we call the gang bang. Waiting is a bunch of reporters and camera crew. And back then you had the cameraman, the audio man, and there were very few women doing the technical things. And right. then the reporter, so you had three men. And we were waiting, and that CBS van would pull up, that door would slide open, and here comes Jane. <laughs> they used <laughs> to call me Rocket, Rocket Socks. Socks. <laughs> I know. But the story I remember is we were waiting for the medical examiner to come out and mention and, and give the official word. You know, you, you knew people were dead. You saw them mauled in the street, but you couldn't report that they were dead until the medical examiner gave the official report. So we're all waiting out there. Here comes Jane again. Now, the way I remember this story, Jane, Uh-oh. is I said, we were like, okay, Jane's going to come in here, elbow her way to the front. You know how aggressive we were back then. We and were. stick that mic in the guy's face. And I said, okay, we got one for her. So it was that time I remember. <laughs> you tried to lift the mic and I stepped on your wire. But we were always pulling tricks on each other. The competition was big. But at the end we of the day, fun. we had fun. Given that we were covering such horrific stories. Yeah. Uh, especially back then when the crime rate in New York was really high. Yeah, crack had come in, remember? Oh, man. And people were going nuts. And then they the were. mobsters were big back in the year. 80s. I mean, we had a lot going on in the 80s in New York City. Well, I grew up in New York, and my whole dream was to be a reporter in New York. And then I got back to New York, and I began seeing neighborhoods that I'd never even knew, known existed, and covering things like the uh, triple machete murder and the, uh, you know, mafia figures dead on the street. That's right. You remember the Palm Day Massacre with the nine people that were killed and seven of them were children? Oh, yeah. I mean, these were the types of things we did every day out there covering the murder stories. And you wonder we're crazy now. Of course. Of course. Of course we're crazy. <laughs> if people only knew. If people only knew. <laughs> but you have done a wonderful thing with all of that experience and taken it and put it in this book called Secrets Can Be Murder. What America's Most Sensational Crimes Tell Us About Ourselves. But if you're interested in Secrets, and let's face it, we all have them. That's right. You can order it right now on Amazon.com. Secrets can be murder, and it'll be there lickety-split. Oh, wonderful. What are we going to see in this, and what's the deal with the secrets? Okay, here's the thing about secrets. First yeah. of all, we all have secrets. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was at a dinner party the other night, and this woman said, well, that's lovely. I, I think that's fine, but it doesn't apply to me. I have no secrets. Four glasses of wine later... <laughs> Oh my God! The secrets coming out of this woman's mouth. There were no I was secrets dumbfounded. Anymore. I was like, "You're the same lady that told me you had no secrets." And she's like, "Well, is that a secret?" I'm like, "Yes, not anymore." Right. So not anymore. Exactly. But uh, in vino veritas. But we all have them, and. They're about a finite number of things. Usually they're about sex, about family, about addiction, about money. And the difference between privacy and secrecy is that secrecy is shame-based. It's having something that you carry around with you 365 days a year, and you pretend like a concealed weapon, you're not carrying it. So it automatically makes you duplicitous and turns you into a liar and keeps you from moving forward comfortably in your life until you work through it, if you do work through it. That's why in 12-step they say you're only as sick as your secrets. So people who have secrets that they are protecting because you can't keep a secret without protecting it have to protect it with other secrets and lies. Lies have to be protected by other lies. It gets more and more complicated. It gets more and more anxiety producing. It gets harder to maintain. You slip up. Some Somebody discovers the secret like Scott Peterson. He was having an affair with Amber Fry. Amber Fry's friend found out he was married, fronts him and says, you're married, you're dating my friend. And he's, that's when he, this is when the lies crossed over and he said, I was married, but I lost my wife. Then he has to, in his sick, demented mind, as 
he repeats that same lie to Amber Fry, and about a week later, his wife is dead. So he turned the lie into a truth. You cannot maintain these lies forever. Secrets will come out. Well, what's that they say? You tell one lie, you got to tell five more to back up the one you just told. And then you've got to remember them all. Oh. Mm. And the stress of all of that can lead to alcoholism. It can lead to drug addiction. It's impossible. So the book is written with a reminder that, hey, the secrets that these criminals have, whether it's infidelity or illegitimacy, they, they're very much the same secrets that you and I, not to say that you're having an affair. <laughs> I'm having an affair. <laughs> but the basic secrets are finite, and the secrets that these criminals have are the same secrets that law-abiding citizens have. So we can look at these terrible cases and say, oh my gosh, take a look at this trajectory that they're on. How do I jump off that train before I land there? So do you find that most of these sensational cases, and a lot of these are cases that we have covered, I mean, right. that, that we have followed as sitting at home reading the paper, looking at the news, talking about around the water cooler. Is it the uncovering of that secret that you find was the catalyst for this horrendous act of murder? Well, let me say a couple of things. First of all, what's really fascinating about the criminal justice system is that it's one of the few venues in our society where somebody's secrets come out in the open. You get to see their dirty laundry. You go to a psychiatrist, and unless you're threatening to kill somebody, he or she is not obligated and will not, is in fact obligated to keep that secret. But in a court of law, once you commit a crime, your secrets are, become an open book, and everybody gets to look at and see Ooh, the dirty and laundry. Look, look at Phil Spector. Look at the Menendez brothers. Look at Scott Peterson. I mean, we could go on and on and on, which we will. Yes. <laughs> I want to get behind some of these stories, and I really want to see what you're thinking about Anna Nicole Smith. Mm. Uh, what, 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 just, just curious. Huh. And what you're thinking about Phil Spector and yeah. some of the other really freaky murder stories that freaky. keep us glued to the tube. Secrets. Secrets can be murder. Right after this with Jane Velez Mitchell. It's Rolanda. This is a real treat for me to meet you. Well, I'm looking at your beautiful photo right now, and I'm saying hubba hubba. That's a treat for me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen in Radio Land, Miss Watts is a hottie. <laughs> and you, can, you can check it out. Dave. You're like, you're like the Vanessa Williams of radio, baby. Oh, Dave Pelzer. Am I, I'm going to kiss you in your mouth the next time I see you. <laughs> There's more Rolanda next. Talk, listen, connect. I love you guys for listening to my podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, download as many as you can, and take me with you every single day. And tell your friends. Also, please follow me in social media at Rolanda Watts. I'm on IG, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Follow me. And also the Rolanda Watts channel on YouTube. And I even have the Rolanda Comedy channel for those of you who just can't believe that I'm actually out there doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> you go check me out on YouTube. Now, let's get back to Jane. Jane Velez Mitchell sharing with us how secrets can be murdered. 
The book is called Secrets Can Be Murder, What America's Most Sensational Crimes Tell Us About Ourselves. It's written by my dear friend and fellow journalist Jane Velez Mitchell, who you see on CNN, Court TV, Celebrity Justice. But wow, when we take a look at the murder stories, Jane is asking, what do you see in there about us? What do you see about society? Let's take Phil Spector. What Mm -hmm. does that say about us? Phil Spector is a strange-looking guy. I'm trying to say, what does that say about our society? Well, I would have to go back to what I think is, and again, I can't read minds, but what I believe is the defining trauma of his life was the suicide of his father when he was nine years old. Mm. And one of the things that I learned talking to many, many psychiatrists in the course of doing this book is that whatever our defining trauma is, we try to undo it during the course of our lifetime, not as a perfectly repeated act because that would be impossible, but in some metaphoric or symbolic level. To give you a very simple example, if if your beloved dog was given away as a child, you might, as an adult, be obsessed with rescuing stray dogs. That's an easy way to undo the trauma. Mm. With suicide, it's a lot more complicated. But Phil Spector went on to develop an obsession with guns, and he famously brandished them at many people, including Reportedly, John Lennon, the Ramones, there were many, many stories, and now some women are coming forward. One has already testified, the first witness of the trial, that uh, she was out with Phil Spector and that the prosecution says this is a pattern that always emerges. He gets drunk. And uh, then he becomes violent. Then he pulls out a gun and threatens the woman. And in fact, in this case, this woman, Dorothy Melvin, who used to be Joan Rivers' manager, said he backhanded her with the gun, threatened her, and she basically ran from the house terrified and weeping. Now, Mm. I will say he hasn't been convicted. He deserves a presumption of innocence. The trial's just getting underway. But if you look at this whole idea of a secret, his shameful secret— of his father's suicide. And when I say a secret, I don't mean that nobody knows it. We don't, uh, he has not processed the significance of this fact. Mm-hmm. Okay, certainly Lana Clarkson did not know that Phil Spector had this issue with suicide mm-hmm. and guns. I didn't know that. Right. I didn't even know that. So it's something that the, the person may know or their close friends may even know, but they haven't processed it. They haven't worked it through. They're not comfortable with the issue. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at this issue of him brandishing guns, What an interesting way to cheat death by brandishing guns at people and women. And what is cheating death? It's undoing suicide. If Mm. a suicide isn't completed, then you survive and you've cheated death. So his obsession with guns could be an unconscious way of undoing his defining trauma. I think it's really interesting that the word, that the phrase accidental suicide came up. I said accidental suicide. I never even heard that phrase. What the heck is an accidental suicide? Well, then we take it one step further. If you go to the night of the crime and remember, the gun was in Lana Clarkson's mouth, okay? And as Mm. the prosecution says, just because it was in her mouth doesn't mean she put it there. The whole question is, why was the gun in, in her, her mouth? mouth. Now, Oof. I don't want to get graphic, but obviously the gun is a phallic symbol. Were they playing some kind of weird sex game mm-hmm. where he forced the gun in her mouth or where she put the gun in her mouth voluntarily and then it accidentally went off? Mm. Uh, this is not something that's that uncommon in sadomasochistic activities to use a gun in this fashion, which is something I learned to my horror <laughs> researching this Talk book. about some secrets. <laughs> but here's the fascinating part of this obsession with suicide is that after he originally walked out and according to his driver said, I think I killed somebody. Later, he started saying she killed herself. She sang two of my 
favorite hit songs, Da Do Run Run, and You've Lost That Loving Feeling, and then grabbed the gun, stuck it in her mouth, and blew her brains out. And then he also said in an article in Esquire magazine, she kissed the gun. Now, I spoke to a psychiatrist who said, psychiatrist who said, isn't it interesting to use the phrase, she kissed the gun? Doesn't that put the whole concept of suicide in a bizarre opposite context mm. instead of being an act of death it becomes an act of sex an act of life and an act of love i'm getting creepy Woo. jane this is really <laughs> creepy man <laughs> jane We've loves just this stuff <laughs> <laughs> jane with your crazy self this is what i had to put up with in the streets of new york City. <laughs> but that's why she's got two emmys okay oh now listen. you are an amazing reporter you always have been oh you listen it listen was, you are we you have rock. A, we have a love fest for each other because we work so hard and we rep, and we and we love women who work hard and have guts and that's that's who we are. So yes. I that, that so let's get back to the murder. Okay. All right. What was your favorite? Because you have like a ton of different stories in here from Robert Blake to the the, the George Smith. I mean, who were some of your favorite murders? Well, it's so kind of speech. a yeah, <laughs> so weird. Sort of an oxymoron. <laughs> but you can say the, that to Jane. What was your favorite murder? The most the most interesting. Are, are often, sadly, the most horrifying. The first one I cover in the book is the horrific murder of him at St. Guillen in Lower Manhattan. And this is a young lady who was going to John Jay College of Criminal Justice. She was highly successful, straight-A student, was about to graduate with honors, uh, was going to pursue, ironically, criminal justice when she was out partying with a friend. Her friend decides to leave. She goes to another bar. She's out there at approximately 4 a.m. A bouncer escorts her out, and she's never seen again. She's found, Her body is found horribly mutilated. Uh, she was sexually assaulted, and her whole face was wrapped in masking tape. Mm. And there is a man, now the bouncer, who is uh, charged and is going to go on trial. But here was the thing that got to me that got me so outraged. There were conservative women and conservative commentators who said, what was she doing out at that hour? In other words, it all became that if this woman hadn't been out at a bar at that hour, well, then this wouldn't have happened And to her. women said that. Women said that. And I interviewed one of the women from Concerned Women of America, I believe is the organization, who said that. And my whole point in the book is, hello, a crime was committed by a male even though we don't know if this man is will be convicted, and we're blaming women, and this is our sexist notion of crime, and women have to wake up and stop accepting male violence as business as usual. The vast, overwhelming majority of crimes are committed by men. And isn't that the sick, dirty little secret? That's society's dirty little secret, mm -hmm. is that we, as women think, oh, well, they can't help it. Oh, you know, it's in their nature. Not so. We are training with what we show in the movies, on TV, and in video games. We are in a form of classical conditioning, conditioning generations of men to be hooked on violence. One of the psychiatrists told me back in the Victorian era when women wore long dresses, if a man saw an ankle, he could get sexually aroused. Well, now you wouldn't find a man who would get sexually aroused by an ankle unless he had a fetish. <laughs> right? That's For right. ankles. So what are we training these young guys to be hooked on? Sexually charged violence, chasing women around with guns, uh, capturing them, torturing them. There is a movie that says Captivity. Captivity the movie. And I saw the poster. Mm -hmm. I was so upset. It's it's something to the effect of capture, uh, 
uh, contain, uh, torture, and extinguish, or something like that. Sounds like Snake Moon. (laughs) That movie with uh, Sam Jackson and uh, the the, the girl is captured. Oh, gosh. But you know something? You're right. I mean, I'm seeing those scenes in the movie where the girl is running and she falls down, Mm -hmm. and then the monster, somebody gets her. What is happening? That's a that That is a It's a hunter-prey mentality. Men are the hunter. Women are the prey. Oh, let's pray not. Let's let's continue this conversation right after this break with Jane Velez Mitchell. It's Rolanda. As opposed to getting that big pot out, you start with very little water. You start with your trinity, some onions and bell pepper and garlic. Oh, that's uh, your, oh, I like that, your trinity. There's all types of onions. I use every one, the red onion, the white onion, the brown onion, even the green onion. And, and you say if you don't like onions. Don't even tell people that you have it in there. <laughs> there's more Rolanda next. Talk, listen, connect. Jane Velez Mitchell's book, Secrets Can Be Murder. But right now, you can go to Amazon.com, Secrets Can Be Murder, and get the book yourself. It's chock full of some of the most sensational murder cases. And what Jane does is take a look and ask the question, what do these sensational crimes tell us about ourselves and our society? And one of the dirty little secrets we're talking about is how much violence there is against women. Oh, yes. And it's rampant in the movies, on television, in the internet, and we as women have to stand up and say, as consumers, we're not going to buy it. That's the only solution because that's the only thing that Hollywood understands. They can talk a mile about how they want social progress and this, that, and the other, but if it's a hit movie and these violent movies, especially graphic sexually charged violence against women by men, have a tendency to become hit movies because they're appealing to the male teenage audience, which has been conditioned to watch that stuff and always wants to raise the bar and make it more violent, they're they're hits, and we have to say, no, as a date, I'm not going to go to that movie if you're going to try to take me to that movie. As a mother, I'm not going to give you the $12 or whatever to go to that movie if you're my son. And we have to say, no, we are not buying it anymore. You said we should even take it as Hollywood actresses to a different level. Absolutely. Just as uh, I'm Puerto Rican, uh, you're African-American, as women, uh, we would not engage in portrayals that we thought were demeaning and stereotypes. Well, it's the same thing with women. Women have to stand up and say, no, I'm not going to take this part that has me violently gang raped unless there is some absolutely overriding social point uh, that will make it redeemable. In other words, violence has to be a part of movies to a certain degree. You couldn't accurately portray the Holocaust without showing violence. In fact, filmmakers have been criticized when they weren't graphic enough about the Holocaust because they're being accused of whitewashing it. But the thing that is really, really a problem in our society is this mindless violence that is cruel and cavalier and doesn't have any social point. And women, actresses, and male actors who are asked to 
play the role of the perpetrators. We have to all stand up and say, no, we're, we're sick of this. We don't, I don't want to be raped on camera. I don't care how much you're paying me. Yeah. That, we had our film critic, Lisa, who came on just last week and talked about a film that's out that has a 15 minute or something around that long amount of time of a rape scene. And she said that she was so, and this is a woman who looks, This her job is to watch films. Mm-hmm. And she said she was just incensed by the, the, the violence and the, and the graphicness of the rape. And imagine a young man who is emotionally unstable, who cannot connect with women. Think of the Virginia Tech shooter, I was about right? To say. Um, who stalked women. Watching that and having that go into his hard drive, basically. Mm-hmm. We it's 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 obscene. And I'll say one other thing. We are in this post-feminist era where women are concerned about their careers and they're concerned about their own families and they're not as political as they used to be. Mm. Well, we are cheating ourselves. We need to start getting political again and just as we march on various other issues, march about gender issues and Mm. protest at the studios when these kinds of images, just like we would protest if something was horrifically racist Mm -hmm. um, or we have political positions about the war, we have to deal with this gender side. That's right. Gender side. I love it, Jane. You know, another thing that we were talking about during the break is how many rape scenes do we see where men are the victims? Mm, Very few. Very few. We can remember Oz, maybe, Deliverance. Pulp Fiction. I don't know of any others. And that's it. And people are horrified. They talk about those. Oh, everybody remembers Squeal Like a Pig sure. from Deliverance. I mean, right. that was a million years ago. Right. So there's a double standard. Uh, there's more horror of sexual violence inflicted on men. Mm-hmm. It's And we're standardizing. We're just making it business as usual that sexual violence is committed against women. But Jane, it is business as usual. You know how much our news directors, uh, that our news stations make when we're covering stories like the Spectre and the O.J. Simpson and the Anna Nicole Smith. I mean, it's almost like it's like it's drama it's a it's part of our culture i mean we gawk at the tv we follow the cases you're absolutely right and let me tell you something rolanda our societal secret is that we are a nation hooked on violence you better believe it we are hooked on it we want it for our news we want it for our entertainment if you just sit there with a clicker do a test see how much loving sex you see on television very little loving certainly not a lot of nudity because oh that would offend our standards. I know. Of de- God forbid Janet Jackson shows her breasts. <laughs> oh my right. God, the sky is falling. But we'll show somebody getting shot on right. TV. Yeah, no problem with that. Uh. So here we are making people horrified and petrified and shame-based about loving sexuality. Mm-hmm. But violence, no problem. And do a test. Anybody, grab your clicker and just start clicking through all the channels and see how much violence you come upon. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's all violence. It's I mean, all it, violence. Well, even... Well, let's 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 take a look at at some of the things that we've been gawking at. Our, and know, there's death. And there's death. Death, secret, violence. That's what the secret of our society is. Those things we love. Illegitimacy and secrecy surrounding childbirth is a constant theme. Well, if you look <laughs> at the Robert Blake case, okay, Bonnie Lee Bakley, who was the murder victim there, and he was of course acquitted in the criminal trial and found responsible in the civil trial, but she also played the same kind of game, telling a variety of people that they were the father. She told Marlon Brando's son, Christian, he was the father, and she told Robert Blake. So this is a common theme with women who uh, have some issues issues and problems and are manipulative is that what they end up doing is using the child as a commodity, using the child as a weapon. And uh, according, of course, Anna Nicole is not here to defend herself, but according to what has been said in testimony, she told uh, Larry Burkhead and she told uh, this other man, G. Ben Thompson, the one who gave her the house or supposedly gave her the house that she 
that he then tried to evict her from in the Bahamas, mm-hmm. that he was the father. And he said to her, guess what? I can't be the father, honey, because I had a vasectomy. Oh, so gosh. I'm not the daddy. But still the manipulation. Yes. That's how, because, because come on, Jane. I mean, we've covered a lot of stories. Yes. I've never seen six men come out and claim one child. I mean, that's that, that's amazing to me. That says there's a lot of secrets going on there that had a lot more to do than just with drugs. And, Ro, if I could just make this one point. The point of my book is that honesty is always an option, even when we don't think it is. In other words, we are all trapped in situations where we have behaved imperfectly or we have something that we're ashamed of. And it may not feel like honesty is the option. If you're having an affair, you fall in love with somebody else, but you're married with kids, I can't tell the truth because... Oh, yes, you can. And it's always better to tell the truth and be honest because it'll catch up with you later much, much worse. Wow. Doing all of this study, what has it taught you personally? The importance of honesty, the importance of just being authentic and working through issues that might be Mm shame-based and to first acknowledge and take personal inventory and to not try to be a victim and point the finger elsewhere. Mm -hmm. It's all happening inside and and things that happen to you generally happen to you for a reason and you're the reason. (laughs) (laughs) The reason is you. (laughs) Yeah, work on yourself. Accountability. Yeah. Yeah, don't we all go through that? And I think everybody needs to go to therapy. Yeah. I'm in 12-step. I've been sober for 12 years. That's another thing. If you have an addiction, it's it's not shameful to get help. It's okay to say, hey, I've got a problem. Everybody has. My theory, everybody's got something. If you don't have alcohol or drugs or food or shopping or gambling or codependency or sex, uh, you you have something. Just don't be so ashamed. You're mm-hmm. a human being. That's the mark of being human. Get some help for it. That's right. And if you find you're, you're getting in fights and things are happening every time you take a drink, you mm-hmm. may not be alcoholic, but you had alcohol problems. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's just being aware of some of the issues that mm-hmm. you're going through. Well, this is just fascinating, Jane. I I, I tell you, I'm so, I continue over all of these decades we've known each other, I continue to be so proud of you. I am so proud of you. You're such a warrior. That's what I love. <laughs> you're a woman warrior. And uh, the book is Secrets Can Be Murder, uh, What America's Most Sensational Crimes Tell Us About Ourselves on Amazon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.